0: Hello, I'm so glad that you've joined us for our week two of our pieces series. We're gonna be talking about growth and God's sovereignty in the midst of suffering. And our scripture is gonna be taking place out of Job chapter two, verses one through 10, and also Romans chapter five, verses three through five. Now, there's going to be several different scriptures that we come back to, but those are really the, the two that we're going to camp on today. So I want to start by asking you a question. I want to know, and I want you to just, I want you to think about this honestly. Why do you serve God? Why do you serve God? Is it because maybe that was how you were raised? Is it because maybe you feel like you have to serve him? Why do you serve? Why do you love him? Why do you follow him? I want you to uh, think back to last week that uh, Captain had talked about. Um, A lot happened to Job in one day, his family, his wealth, and uh, some would even consider his close relationship with the Lord just completely tanking in one day. So these unhappy events, they came to light all because Satan had accused God of buying Job's love. Uh, The writings say, in essence, the devil told God the only reason Job, or anyone else for that matter, believed was because God blessed his life. So take away the blessings, and Job and everyone else who claims to love God will curse him rather than sing his praises. So this forces us to ask ourselves, why do I serve God? If the blessings dried up and life took a hard turn for the worse, what would happen to our faith? This was more than just a thought for Job as he realized in an instant that everything was taken away. And uh, I want to share with you um, kind of a funny illustration, but, um, and of course, you know, me being female, I love the whole romance movies and things like that. Uh, so I want to share with you an illustration from a movie called Never Been Kissed. So if you've ever seen this movie, it's pretty much like you find, um, Kind of like imagine watching a movie where you find the antagonist uh, setting a trap and you begin getting nervous as the protagonist starts to fall right into the trap, Um, but you're like sitting on the edge of your seat because you know it's fixing to happen, but they don't know. Okay, that's kind of where I'm getting at. Here's what I mean. There's a movie called Never Been Kissed, and it's about a journalist who had to go undercover in high school so they could get the, she could figure out what the big awesome story was. So she had to try and figure out how to fit in, even though she never truly fit in when she was in high school. So there's a moment when she goes to the club because, again, she's trying to fit in, and they ask her if she would be drinking. Well, she says, no, I am not 21, and I am 17, still in high school. And the bouncer stamps her hand with the words, deluser. loser. Um, so once she gets home, she falls asleep at the kitchen table and realizes when she wakes up, she's running late, and she quickly heads out of the door. Uh, so what she does not know that you and I would happen to know is that she fell asleep with her head on her hand and when she woke up the words loser came off the stamp that was on her hand and now it's on her forehead so she walks into school with this amazing confidence and she's saying hi to everybody and she's waving and then people start calling her loser and then you slowly start to see actually very quickly you start to see her confidence fade and then shortly she has a breakdown and realizes the stamp came off on her head but you and i are already embarrassed for her because we see that that's happening even though she's like saying hi to everyone so I I share this with you because just like the Never Been Kissed story, the first two chapters of Job set the stage by showing us a scene where, um, well, the living doesn't know about it, but yet we do because we're reading it. So the stage is set by showing us a scene where Satan challenges God and attacks Job. So this helps us to understand the story in a way that, like I've already said, those that are living, they can't really understand. We know God hasn't turned against Job because even though uh, Job and those he's surrounded by think so, we read how much God truly loved Job and even gave him accolades as the finest man on the planet. We also know this whole thing. That happens next or happens because of the deceiver himself. So this inside knowledge that you and I get to read allows us to make sense of what happens next. So I'm going to begin by reading Job chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. And this is going to be in the New International Version. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept the good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. And praise the Lord, he actually still lived because he said that to his wife. I mean, come on. So last week, you um, heard Captain talk about the first test that Satan had done to try to get Job to denounce his love for the Lord. Well, here we find ourselves seeing Job encounter his second test by being plagued with sores or bumps or boils uh, from his head to his toe. Job has no idea that this conversation has taken place between God and Satan. He has no idea that God is giving him praises and that, yes, he did agree that Satan could strike his flesh and bones, as we read in verse 5, but also in verse 6, God says you must spare his life. James, um, in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 on the ESV, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God knew the character of Job. He knew the faithfulness and steadfastness of Job, which is why I honestly believe he agreed to let Satan go on about his schemes. He knew that Satan would continue to say, Job is only following you because of your blessing. And yet... God knew Job more than anyone else. Why? He created him. He knew, just like it says in Psalm 139, his coming is going when he sits, when he stands, his everything. He knows Job. So God, he is completely good. He's eternally good. He was willing to go along with Satan because he knew the eventual outcome of Job's story. God cannot be fooled by Satan. In his book, A Million Miles and a Thousand Years, Donald Miller says, Somehow we realize that great stories are told in conflict, but we are unwilling to embrace the potential greatness of the story we are actually in. We think God is unjust rather than a master storyteller. And you know, sometimes suffering doesn't make sense to us. It is within suffering where we find God's purpose. You know, when people come to know Christ, they believe, some believe, that God protects them from trouble. So when trouble comes knocking on their door, so to speak, they question who God is, his goodness, his justice. So the message of Job is that you should not give up on God because you have bad experiences or bad life challenges or you come across a fork in the road uh, or a rock in a hard place. The NIV study Bible says this, Faith in God does not guarantee personal prosperity, and lack of faith does not guarantee troubles in this life. If this were so, people would believe in God simply to get rich. God is capable of rescuing us from suffering, but if we always knew why we were suffering, our faith would have no room to grow. Suffering's hard. We don't like it. It can be very miserable. However, suffering produces perseverance. Romans chapter 5, verses 3-5 through 5 says this, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So think back to the first century Christians. Suffering was more of a rule than the exception. Paul tells us that in the future, we will become, but until then, we must overcome. This means that, yes, we are going to experience difficulties, and those difficulties, if we allow it, will help us to grow. We can rejoice in suffering, not because we like pain, obviously, or deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using life's difficulties and Satan's attacks to build our character. He wants us to take those problems and life challenges to him. The NIV study Bible says the problems that we run into will develop our perseverance, which in turn will strengthen our character, deepen our trust in God, and give us greater confidence about the future. And I want you to think back to the scripture, and I know I made light of it a while ago, but when Job had said, when his wife had said that about, you know, are you still holding on to your integrity? Turn from God. And he, the reason why he defended God is because he truly knew God. Just as God knew Job and knew his heart and knew his character, God, the same thing can be said about Job. Job spent time with God, he sought after God, he prayed, he knew who this God was. It wasn't just about the blessings that God has given him. Job had sought after who God was. And I think that is so profound because sometimes in life, if we are not building our life and our our Christian life, our thought process, our entire being on the rock, if we're not focusing it and shifting all of our focus on God, then when those troubles do come, we immediately throw up the fence and we say, throw up the wall, throw up barricade, whatever it is, and we immediately become on the defense and say, okay, well, what is God doing? Is he real? Is he just? And I think that it, it really takes a lot of us to say, okay, you know what? Yes, we're experiencing this bump in the road, but I'm still going to go. I'm still going to run that race. Just as Paul talks about, there were so many, especially in the first century. Um, when we, when you start reading about those that were following after Christ, they thought they counted it all joy to experience suffering because they knew that great things were going to come from it. And that is really something for all of us today as we think about the life of Job and how God had allowed Satan to attack his life but spare his, his actual life, um, even though Satan had really done all he could to denounce Job's love for the Lord, Job was steadfast. He knew Who God was, and He served God. So I want to ask you again if the blessings dried up and life took a hard turn for the worse, what would happen to our faith? So, again, why do you serve God? Why do you serve God? And I hope that at the end of the day, as you think about the things in which you're dealing with right now, because we all have them, we could all think of several things on our fingers right now, maybe even our toes. Of things in which we're dealing with. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be mild. It could be severe. Only that's between you and the Lord right now. What are those things that you're dealing with? Well, I can tell you this. Take them to his feet. Let him know what you're dealing with and allow these problems that you're experiencing to develop your perseverance so it can strengthen your character, deepen your trust in God, and give you such Great confidence about the future because even though tomorrow is unknown, the Lord knows exactly everything that you are going to deal with. And in this life, take those things, take those challenges to the Lord, and know that He is with you and that He is fighting those fights. And that as we keep turning towards Him, we will get that great confidence about the future and our character will be strengthened. And may you have that deep trust in God and knowing that although tomorrow is unknown, we know who holds the future, and that's God. So I hope that today that you can say, I serve God because of His faithfulness, because of His love, because of what He's done for me. That life, uh, that blood that was spilled on the cross so that you and I may live and may be free. Go in peace today, my friends, and as you start to pick up the pieces of things that seem to break all around, you know that God is with you and that He sees what you're dealing with. Give them to Him and know that He's going to take good care of you. God bless you this day, and we hope that you'll join us next week for week three of pieces.